0: Welcome to Prophetic Voices, preaching and teaching Beloved Community, a podcast from the Episcopal Church's Office of Reconciliation, Justice, and Creation Care, where we explore the season and the lectionary through the lens of social justice. I'm your host, Reverend Shaniqua, Staff Officer for Racial Reconciliation, and I'm so glad you could join us today. In today's episode of Prophetic Voices, we'll be discussing some of the readings for Advent 1, focusing on the Gospel, Mark 13, 24-37, and Isaiah 64, 1-9. With me today, I have three amazing guests. Dr. Sandra Montez is a singer, speaker, and writer who loves exploring her indigenous and Latina roots. She recently published a book, Becoming Real and Thriving in Ministry. She lives in Texas and New York. And we have Reverend Kevin Antonio K.A. Smallwood, who is the Associate Rector for Families, Children, and Youth at Grace Episcopal Church in Silver Spring, Maryland. When he's not praying, he is dancing to the rhythm of the beat for the trifold benefit of resisting the isms, self-care, and sharing the love. And last but not least, we have Reverend Daniel Pinnell, who is the Associate Rector at Grace Episcopal Church in Ocala, Florida. Before going to seminary, he was an immigrant rights community organizer in Oakland, California, where he organized clergy for the welcome of immigrants and refugees in this nation. So uh, let's just kind of go around and what is important to keep in mind during Advent, especially this year? I'll pick on one of you. How about Sandra? What's important to keep in mind in Advent, especially this year? Uh,
1: To me, it is the waiting. um, And I think this time, especially after all of these things that have been happening in 2020, it is such an important thing to do, um, the waiting. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think that that waiting is going to... feel and look different for us this year, especially in a year where uh, once things shifted and shut down, we all were waiting, waiting for answers, waiting for news, waiting for this, waiting for that, waiting for money, you know? So I think the waiting um, process is going to look different. And the ways that we connect with each other in those waiting moments, um, I'm interested to see how they're, how they're going to bloom
3: That's interesting because that's the one thing I I also, when I was going through the readings for Advent, that's the one thing that stuck out to me uh, is waiting and how waiting actually in the Bible looks very different to our concept of waiting, which almost is tantamount to inactivity. And that's not at all what I think the Bible is calling us to do when we wait. We're not being calling... We're not being called to wait and being inactive and inact, act out. Um, but more on that later. I'm getting ahead of myself.
0: <laughs> awesome. So, what messages do you think our congregations need to hear this year, especially?
1: You, you know, one thing that um, I tell the students at Union all the time is just to be gentle with themselves. I think um, sometimes, especially during the holidays and, you know, Advent is right, you know, where the U.S. Well, right now I actually went to a store to pick up something and I saw Christmas things already, you know, and we're in October. So for me, it's just, just, let's just not get ahead of ourselves. Let's just be gentle where we are. And I think that's important to tell our uh, congregations and the people that, you know, listen to us, um, because a lot of times, you know, we're um, like moving and moving so fast and trying to get everything done. And we, you know, we can just wait um, actively, but we can also just you know be gentle with ourselves. I think that's really important to tell our people, especially now.
2: For me, it's, it's I always find myself like feeling like, what do we, what are we telling the congregations in this time period? But what's been coming up for me in that question is um, reminding them and like reinspiring them to find. Um, kind of like that allness and the communion, whether it be, um, the communion of the saints, those present and past, whether it be, um, you know how people are feeling, um, and taking note of their spiritual life if they're not, um, in a space where they can receive communion or pick up communion or, or many of the different ways that all congregations are trying to still, bring the sacraments. But that connection of communion, I find myself talking to our Sunday school children often about how powerful God is to be able to make it possible for us in this day and age to still be communion um, with one another, um, even virtually, and how that looks and how we carry each other through that time.
3: I think for me it's interesting to see how the season of Advent is almost in complete contrast to whatever is happening in the world and how much we have commercialized the season, you know, especially in in the Western world where it's it's this celebratory kind of like, let's go out and celebrate, you know, the excess of capitalism and all of that. Um, And the church calls us instead, I think, to step back a little bit to, you know, we strip some of the the. You know, if we have statues in our church, we strip them or we cover them. Or you know, it's almost like a time that is sober, not quite like Lent, but a little bit. You know, reminiscent of 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 Lent. And I think we're in a situation with with COVID. You know, when we cannot be together as we want to be. Um, for many of us, the election time is a time that is heavy with anxiety, you know, uh, because of the outcome. So this is a season I feel where maybe the it's, it's time to that we can finally step back and and reflect I guess more on the season of and not be caught up so much in in, in the over materialization of, of of this season that's you
0: know happening in the Western world. So let's talk a little bit about about the gospel from Mark, as you as you read and reflected in the gospel, kind of what stood out to you?
2: One thing that always stands out to me in, in scripture in general, but what's particularly standing out is um, God uses the earth and things always to symbolize, to communicate, to to create, to um, let things die off. Like, and we immediately are plunged right into that. Um, you know, as it begins in the verse, you know, in those days after that, the sun will be darkened. Wow, the sun, you know, will be darkened? Okay, well, what's next? And the moon will not give its light. Oh, snap. You know, it, it immediately puts you into that. This isn't just about this relationship with God. It's not just about us. It's about all of God's creation. It's about all of the messages and and uh, meanings that God is communicating to us through. Um, this earth.
1: I find it interesting how it's really scary. I mean, at least, you know, like if this was a, a movie, it would be like, ooh, you know, uh, just scary or suspenseful. And I don't think we normally think, at least I don't normally think of, you know, something like this for Advent, you know, because we're in expectant, um, you know, we're waiting expectantly for the baby, right? We're not waiting expectantly for like this you know, the son of man to come and, you know, like all of these things to happen. So I think that to me, you know, reading it again, it took me aback a little bit. And also the four winds, you know, the indigenous um, traditions always about the four winds and stuff. And, you know, sometimes I feel like in the Christian tradition, those rituals um, have been stripped and so, you know, but yet it's biblical also. So to me, all of those things always, you know, come into mind. Where, you know, what what happened? You know, where where did Christianity, you know, decide we're going to leave some of the, these rituals out, or, you know, we're not going to do this. We are going to do that, et cetera. So to me, it's like you know, let's let's look at scripture if we want to be, you know, scripture based and and see what it is asking or or helping us to see or to do
3: and for me was was stood out from this reading yes you know the the first part of the reading of the gospel is sounds like you all mentioned very scary um darkness and you know and all of that and then you, the second part though uh, jesus asks us to be alert to be uh, awake and there's almost this um There may be terrible things happening around us. There's almost this temptation to separate ourselves from what's happening and kind of insulate ourselves in our own comfort and say we're not we're not going to pay attention. We're not going to be alert, you know, but we we can, especially those who are privileged enough not be affected so much to what's happening around us to to not keep watch, to not be alert and to just let time pass us by. So I think it's interesting how Jesus, even in the midst of, of all these warnings that are scary, you know, is also telling us to be alert because it is as if he knows that we can just, it's so easy for us to isolate in our own comfort and separate ourselves from the suffering of others.
1: Well, to me, that seems scary to me, you know, like, stay awake don't fall asleep. He's coming. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That just seems scary. All of it just seems like, ah, to me.
0: Sometimes I wonder if it's about staying awake, like, um, With everything that's going on, you know, the world is kind of going to sleep at this time, right? Because you have fall coming, the hours are getting less and less. So that means the darkness is going to be longer and longer. And a lot of other animals are going to sleep, you know, things are hibernating and going to rest. And maybe part of it's like, stay awake, don't let that happen to us too. We need to stay woke because of what's going on in the world. Or maybe we need to stay woke because of whatever, Um, That's kind of what I was thinking about as we were talking, but I love the part about, you know, marking the pieces as we transition in our our culture. We do a lot of, you know, there's like a dance when the summer begins and one when it ends. And there's this other thing that you do at this time. And I kind of think our church has some of those things, but it'd be nice if we had maybe some more, like how do you mark Advent besides the little, you know, candle thing in the church? Yeah. (laughs) So what, um, where do you feel the call of the Holy Spirit or what actions are we called to in that gospel gospel reading?
1: You know, I do love the the whole thing about just being alert to all of it, right? Even like for me, even if it sounds a little scary, but just to to be able to see it, to to stop and just be aware of what's happening. Um I think that that's something that has been I've tried to do during this time right now, you know, with everything that's going on and being at home. Um, I'm, you know, I try to be aware of what's going on, you know, in my life and my parents' life and my family, and in the world outside. You know, I I kind of hear the birds more and I see the wind, you know, and I hear it and just being more aware of what's going on. I think that's what the spirit is calling me. To just remember that, especially during Advent, you know, just to be aware.
2: Yeah, I um, I definitely resonate with that. When I used to think of Advent and the and the preparation and the waiting and being aware, it it always had this. Um, as a young boy, I always had this feeling of like the intensity of it all. Right, I was like, this is an intense situation. Um, and then you know the culmination of it is like this joyous celebration, but as a young man, I I think that now what I've been experiencing these past few years of Advent and and diving into it d- differently and with other folks and talking about it, um, it's kind of like a um, kind of like this this love letter almost of, you know, like I went away, but I'm coming back. For you, and you know be ready for that like do not don't be afraid of the idea that I won't be, you know, I will be um and that i'm a I'm a very sentimental guy, so like i I can be motivated off of the fact that like later tonight I'm gonna see my friends at eight o'clock, I can do five <laughs> things before then, you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> the excitement from that, so now i'm now it's more of um I'm getting more of like a um it's mixing with kind of like this excitement of Advent and this excitement of the practice of waiting and the practice of being aware, as you said, and um, allowing myself to see how that is transforming. Because as we all know, our spiritual journeys do transform over time, even with those things that are core and concrete for us. Um, but I think this Advent, I'm going to take it more of like, a, you know, like I'm coming back for you, you know.
3: Hmm. I think I also resonate with the whole concept of of being um, alert and and awake. Um, Personally, I struggle with kind of self-isolating myself when stressful times, you know, around us, and I'm sure not the only one who struggle with this. And I'm terrible at being alert or being awake. Um, I tend to disconnect sometimes even from friends and family, which is not, you know, Not helpful for them or for me for that matter. And yeah, so being awake, being alert and and still being connected with people is a temptation that I have to fight against, Uh, fight for, I suppose, (laughs) not against being awake. You know what I mean? I think that's something the Holy Spirit is, is, I feel, it's calling me to
0: be alert, awake, connected. Over this past year, I feel like <clears throat> we've had so many things happen And the, you know, it says, but about that day or hour, no one knows. And i feel like, that's how this whole year has been. <laughs> like, you know, we've <laughs> we're like, oh, who had, you know, whatever, who had killer murder rabbits for July or whatever, and who yeah. had blah, 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 blah in August. And <clears throat> who knew that the governor of Michigan was going to be attempted to be kidnapped. And it's like, I feel like it's like, oh geez, what's happening next? And <laughs> that's how the whole thing has been. And I don't know if waiting and keeping awake is like be awake for when these things happen. Or maybe it's I don't know. But I'm just like whoa. <laughs> it's been a, a I don't crazy, a crazy time. And um we're recording this actually before uh before the election. So you're all here you're gonna hear this after the election. So we don't really know exactly what uh what the outcome will be, but I'm sure whatever happens There'll be some anxiety in our society and anxiety in the system, and and I wonder if Advent could also be a time of kind of trying to chill out from that anxiety. I sometimes think about um, it calls us back into relationship. Same thing with like Lent, you know. We we um, there's all these things that come, and Advent is often, at least secularly, a time where people. Aren't thinking about relationships? They're busy shoving people out of the aisles in the grocery store and in the toy store and trying to get that thing, whatever it might be, you know, the Furby of the day that the kids want. And and yet, how can we call back into relationship uh, with our family and our friends and our loved ones and even just our neighbors, right? Whoever they might be.
2: Um, Yeah.
0: Who do you think are the neighbors that we might forget about at this time?
2: Mm. I am. So there are many, right? But this question just popped into my. As you asked that question, what just popped into my mind was my actual neighbor. So I live in, in in an apartment building, you know those luxury apartment buildings. I'm like, what am I actually paying for? <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, it's very like quaint, very small. Not tall. It's like five five floors. Anyways, my next door neighbor. Our balconies are connected. And you can kind of see the partition. Hmm we I've been here for like a year he's been here for four we've never had a conversation he's always out there I'm out there more people started coming out on their balconies during all this time and um you know then one day he just said hey and I said hi and then the next day he said hey and I said hi and then we started a conversation and then we opened up and then we like met and started to actually have conversations as neighbors I learned that he's Jewish and we started talking about spirituality and meditation and all these kinds of things so to answer that question I would even say the immediate people who are around us in what area, whatever space you find yourself. Um, It's to the point where people, what we've been experiencing this year, people, a lot of conversations that came up with, my neighbor and I were just like, this feels weird. You know, we are in this space and especially at this, in a building like this, where um, even though we are distance and stuff like, can we not find some way to connect? How do we connect because um, this building would always put like programs together for people to come together in like the common room, um, and so I would even say like who who's immediately around you um, that you can um, that is your neighbor that would be considered your neighbor. Been more aware of my neighbors in this building.
3: I think I'm, you know, definitely biased in this, but I I am also very concerned about how much are. Immigrants, neighbors, you know, and refugees have been shut out of the conversation. Even from our political conversation, we don't hear about them uh, because they're overshadowed by the whole, you know, the health concern, coronavirus and the election and everything that we're not hearing about the, the suffering that incarcerated immigrants are going through and then the poor health care that they're receiving. Um, we heard, for example, Maybe I think it was a month ago about this forced vasectomies that were being performed. Yeah, so I'm I'm very concerned that immig- the immigration conversation. I mean, it was very bad to begin with before, <laughs> but now it's not even part of our. I don't feel it is much part of our conversation right now. So I'm I'm concerned that they're being left out um, a little bit. So.
1: For me, what I have seen, um, and I've asked this of the churches that I go to a lot of times, is you know the shut-ins or people who travel a lot that are not at home, and I think that the, that this pandemic, what it did is that it forced many churches to go online, you know, to have services via Zoom, etc., and people who have never been reached are now being reached. And it has also helped pastors just stop and think, okay, this person does not have the internet, so I need to call them or, you know, send them an a actual, you know, written mail, etc. And so I think that has been heightened. And unfortunately, I feel that as we start going back to quote unquote normalcy, the people will again be, you know, just left out and um, not thought about. And I think that is a, that is something that I hope that our pastors and our leaders, um, you know, and myself included, that we don't forget that, you know, like sometimes how you get so invested in something and you're doing it every week and then all of a sudden you go back to normal and it's like, well, we don't have to do Zoom anymore. You know, we don't have to publish this anymore. We don't have to make phone calls again. And I hope that that doesn't happen. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned that it will. And, um, and so people who have felt connected now via the internet or phone calls or texts will again feel very disconnected. You know, when everything kind of just stops. Because I've seen that already in some churches where it's like, yeah, we're going to be live, and, um, you know, just so if you can join us, and then that's it. You know, there's no alternative. So, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm wondering. If-
0: I think sometimes, too, the the opposite happens as well, right? Like, sometimes I think, like, I used to love that no matter where I went, if I could find an Episcopal church, I could always go there on Sunday, and I kind of knew what the service would be like, I'd know what the lectionary readings were going to be, I might not know if the preacher's going to be good or bad or indifferent or whatever, but, you know, you kind of know, and I might, you know, depending on where you're at, the songs might be 1982 hymnal, or they might be something more exciting or whatever, but I could go there. And when I was a priest, I remember people would come to me, like one Thanksgiving, we just had people show up because they were traveling and they're like, we're Episcopalian. And anyway, uh, so I think that can happen. And um, it made me think of the story when I was young, we had like a bad snowstorm and all the power went out and everything. And I went with my grandpa to go find some of the shut-ins and we were checking to make sure they they had like food and, you know, cause the electricity was out and and we went to somebody's house and that person didn't have electricity. They lived off the grid. Like this is old school, like on the reservation stuff. And like, they were like, Oh, the power's out. And they like had no idea. And they were like, just fine. And we were all worried about them. (laughs) It's kind of funny. So. (laughs) (laughs) So what message of hope, um, or because I think this Sun, that's first Sunday of Advent is the hope Sunday, right? What messages of hope do you see in this in this reading? The one I kind of think about was the, you know, it, all these things will have taken place is kind of one of the things that I that kind of make me think of hope.
1: You know, my dad always says, if you don't read the Bible, your life won't change. So, you know, he always encourages. He's a priest, and he always encourages people to read the Bible. So one of the things that. um I'm very much about, as a you know, ex-evangelical or evangelical Episcopalian, is the Bible and the the promises that the Bible uh, shares with us. And so I love where it says, "My words will not pass away." And to me, that's so important, especially in these times, you know, to remember that God will supply all my needs. You know, I'm I'm like, well, where's my husband? That's the, that's the one need I'm still waiting for. <laughs> no <way.
3: Thank>
1: <laughs> But anyway, so um but you know what I mean, like those promises of God and, and I just love that my words will not pass away yes. to me. That has always carried me in the very, very tough times of my life, including these times, and in the best mm-hmm. possible times too. And I try to whenever I'm invited to speak or preach or even talk to friends, you know, I just remind them of those promises that God has given us and, and remind them also, you won't be able to claim them if you don't read and, and get to know them, you know? And so I think that's really, really important. And I love that, you know, my words will not pass away. I really, really, yes. I take hope from that.
0: That's one of those things I think too, like, in Lakota culture, the time once the snow falls is the time to tell stories. And so that's like the time mm-hmm. to read or time to think about. And so I'm thinking about, as you said, the words will not pass away. That's the perfect time to be doing that. Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Hmm. I like that. I really like that um, you expounded upon the promises and stuff. Mm-hmm. I keep a promises um, book next to my bed, and my grandmother was always sending, um, like, you know, the little small ones that you can right. have to go over. They're amazing. They're so awesome. Um, for me, it's, it's, it's closer up in the scripture where it says, then they will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Um, mm-hmm. and just that then they will see, you know, like where we get, so, you know, the whole, like seeing is believing and, you know, like, how do you know that God is real? And, um, how did you know Jesus, you know, all that, like, you know, people want that concrete, like that science and that, Right. You know, I need to see it like it. I have to touch it, it has to be, you know, yeah. very tangible. Um, but Jesus's knowledge of, of in it for me is like Jesus letting us know that He's aware, He's always been aware of like what we do see, what we don't see, the hardness of our hearts or mm-hmm. you know, the blindness in our eyes, um, our ears being clogged. Um, and for this statement, this verse, it's like, you know, then they will see you know with great power and glory and and sometimes like even in certain um you know christian art especially some older art like at the basilica in DC um some images of that uh, can be very off-putting uh, um sometimes like in, at the basilica there's a very scary jesus white mm-hmm. man very much oh he looks scary like and he's bulky you know and he's very he has kind of like this eyebrow thing going on where he's like <laughs> i'm coming you know <laughs> That takes me back to what you were saying, Andrea, about um, it was very like, ah, you know, like, ski. Um, but, of course, as you walk with Jesus, as you um, pray with Jesus, as you as you see Jesus in other people that you know and love, um, that that type of power and that glory is so different, right? It's mm-hmm. like, yes, the answer for our, all of us that we send, you know, like, yes, the real power, the real glory, um, mm-hmm. the real righteousness, yeah, being displayed for all the world to see
1: mm. that's good
3: that's good yeah no i i agree completely i was also um especially when i was reading the uh these readings uh, which some of them can be very like we mentioned scary and sober and all of that but you still see the echoes of the promises of god mm-hmm. coming through them you know And so at this moment, I feel because, not just because we are in the season of Advent, but also because of all that is happening around us in this crazy time, we're asking ourselves, when is the, you know, everything going back to normal? When when can we finally go and hug our friends and families? When, whatever, you know, and then when finally the election will be over, like, all of that thing. We're waiting and waiting and waiting, I feel, and and, and some of us feel very hopeless. Mm. Um, but I have to go back to the promises of God and the promises of the reign of God and and, and how we are promised life abundant and we are promised resurrection.
0: Mm-hmm. <sighs>
3: And I have to hold on to that in this moment of, of darkness uh, that we're going through. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Mm. So, <clears throat> any suggestions you have for preaching this text specifically? <laughs> mm. I really like how you started it off, Sandra, with kind of like looking at it from like a seasonal perspective? Like I was thinking about that. That really touched my my indigenousness. I was like, ooh, yes, that's exactly how I would preach this text. <laughs> yes.
1: You know, I, I, if I were preaching, you know, I'm not, I don't preach weekly. So I, whenever I say to pastors anything, I always tell them it's from a listener's, you know, ear and from a lay person's ear uh, that I've, you know, heard a sermon every week. Many sometimes a week. Uh, to me, I just want to be—I want to be hopeful. You know what I mean? Like I want to leave church or leave a, a, a service with hope in my heart. And so I feel like that would be something that even when all of these things happen, you know, we know. Like um, I think it was uh, you, Kevin Antonio, that said about this, there's a celebration at the end. Yeah. You know, like even when all of these things, and we have to keep awake. We know that there, we are waiting for something. It is coming. It's on the way. It's, you know, there is hope. You're not. You may feel hopeless right now, just like back then. You know, people were like lost, but it is coming. He is coming. You know, and so I think I would like to hear that. Not, you know, that especially at the beginning of Advent. Advent that, you know, like for me right now, I'm getting a little teary-eyed because I'm going to be in New York, and I don't know if I'll be able to come home. You know, for Christmas, you know, and, and Latinos, I mean, we love Christmas, you know, and we love the 24th. It's such a big, big deal, you know, and, you're, and you have to be with family. Like, that's a big, big thing. So for me, you know, I don't know if I'll be with family. And so that's, so I want to feel hopeful that, yes, I'm going to be with family. It may, may not be on the 24th or the 25th, but it's coming. So I just want to feel that hope.
2: Yeah.
3: I hear, I hear you because I, I was planning to go to back to my country this year, you know, to Nicaragua to be with family. And of course it hasn't happened because, you know, COVID, we even, I even saved the money to go like, um, and it's just heartbreaking.
1: Yeah.
3: And now, you know, we're planning hopefully to go to my wife's uh, family in Wisconsin to visit, but now there does a there's a, a hotspot of, you know, of cases exploding there. So we don't know if we're going to be able to go, but yeah. so, yeah, it's really, I want to hold on to the hope that we will someday we will be able to see each other again. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. You both definitely hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, you know, even in the midst of, you know, what we've talked about with the scripture so far about the promises and about how it reads is very, um, ooh, very uh, <laughs> kind of scary sometimes. But that hope piece is shining through, mm-hmm. and I'm just hearing even your stories about, um, you know what you won't be able to do, what it, this Christmas or what what you had planned, like all of that. You know, even just in this small space with us together expand that to our neighbors expand that to the world you know we're all like what is this still going to look like and mm-hmm. it's so important for that hope to be um to be preached through which is why if i am indeed preaching on this i have to find out <laughs> um, i definitely am probably going to lean would lean into like Sandra said, the promises that hope um and then tie it in that love letter of like you know god is like wants you to be ready, you know? And don't take that readiness as like a, you, you, you're you already not doing anything great, do better. You could be so much better be ready for me. You know, not like that, it's more of like a, again, that promise of, of love, that promise of sweet joy, just like, I'm coming for you. So that's definitely yeah. wrapping that hope and love all together in that. Um, I can already see some people in the congregation virtually or physically just smiling Cheese and that um, because we, that. we need that. We need these interpretations of, of hope daily.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. And I'm not sure as well. Like, I was trying to check my calendar to see if I was preaching that Sunday, but we haven't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Get <it on> there.
3: <laughs> um, I know. <laughs> but if I, if I were to preach on that Sunday, I think I will concentrate on. Um, the Isaiah, especially when it calls us to wait, you know, no eyes have seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for for him. Oh, yeah. That's the verse I, I will focus on.
1: I really love how uh, Kevin Antonio keeps talking about, I'm coming for you, you know, I'm yes. coming back for you. And that's, that's such a sweet um, imagery to me. So thank you for, mm-hmm. you know, saying that over and over, because I think that that is one thing that you know, all of us understand, mm-hmm. you know, and we have um, thought about that time when somebody is coming, somebody, or we're going to somebody that we really, really can't wait to see. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yes. Mm. I think
1: oh, that's I'm, get, I'm getting
2: excited already. I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You've all sort of talked about hope too. Like, Dan, you talked about saving money for a trip, which means- you have hope that you will go right, That's right. and mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. envision like going to visit your family. And um, mm. I think I'm going to say a little snippet. I'll probably say it again later. But the in Lakota in co Lako language and a lot of indigenous languages, there's no word for goodbye because we all know that we will see each other again, and so uh, we only have a word for see you later. Mm. And so that always just automatically puts in hope into like the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yes, wow, I love that.
1: Yeah. Me too.
0: So let's move on to Isaiah. Okay. Okay. So what what stood out for you or what are what the things that you noticed?
2: That oh, I'm gonna just start right off the jump with it. Um the first verse, like oh, that you would tear open the heavens yeah. and come down so that yes. the like, like that um it's I wouldn't even call it a lament. It it has like a tone of laments to where it's like, oh, and kind of like that woe-ness. But it's also like, I know that you you will do this, and I know that you can do this. And I'm hoping that that is soon. <laughs> you know, just kind of that, um, that you would show your power, that you would do this, that you would break forth, brings you immediately into the following verses. And I love that.
1: Um, I also always, you know, the the old testament God sometimes seems so mean. <laughs> this angry God, this angry don't be so angry with us, you know? But and at the same time, uh, you know, like, like uh what Daniel I think was, was talking about, about no one has heard, no one has perceived, no one I have seen, um, you know, who works for those who wait for him. And to me, I am one of the people that takes uh, scripture out of context. I will quote just that, you know, I won't go back to the one uh, where it says you meet those who gladly do right. Like that, that's not important to me. The other one is, you know, it's like you will work for any of us who wait for you. So I, you know, I, I'd like to believe that God will do those things and yes, the anger and all that stuff, you know, I'm like, I'm not worried about that because, you know, I do believe that Jesus kind of, changed God a little bit, you know, when, <laughs> when Jesus came, it was like, all right, God, don't be so angry. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's what I think about, but I did, you know, in the, in the moodle there, it's like that anger, that sin like that, you know, and, and then at the end, it's like, please don't be so angry. Like I just, you know, a lot of times when I think about God, especially the old Testament, God, it's, it's so much of like a parent to me, um, where, you know, it's like, okay, you know, like what uh, Kevin and Antonio, what you were talking about, you know, it's like, Oh, that you would do this, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like, you know, you're praising your parent, whomever that is, you know, Oh, you're so amazing and blah, blah, blah. And then I know I sinned, you know, I know you're angry, but please don't be so angry. You know what I mean? So it's like that conversation with God. That's like a parent for us.
3: Yeah. And I mean, even in this passage, I say, uh, uh, there is that image of a parent at the end as well. Mm-hmm. Like, Yet, O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, and you are the potter, and we all the work of your hand. It's almost like God, like I Isaiah, I uh, you know, uh, here is telling, reminding God, hey, you made us. Yeah. You're stuck with us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> we mess up, we make mistakes, you know, um, but you're stuck with us. So, you know, you're our parent, so help us out here.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, that's always, I mean, right. That, those verses that you just brought up in are very, um, you know, how many songs and how many poems have been written, written about that. Um,
1: mm-hmm. but
2: it, I love, what I also uh, am enjoying going back through it is, is how as is reminding God of, um, of what <laughs> God created, you know? Clay, pot, we are the work of your hand, Um, putting us in direct relationship with, you know, like, Mm. how do you treat the work of your hand? You know, because when I made clay sculptures in class and something broke off or, you know, I was terrified. (laughs) I was upset that it broke, you know, Um, but did all that I could to put it back together and all that I could to make it pretty again. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was still my work, you know, and I still Mm -hmm. have it. Um, mm-hmm. some of my work from high school, but that relationship of, of being from God, of being created from God is definitely in here, um, throughout the whole, throughout the whole thing. But that parent imagery, I definitely wrestled with that in my spiritual journey. Um, mm-hmm. because like y'all have both have said, like that you get that, um, that anger and that, you know, we did this, we sinned, you know, you don't want to, you know, make your parent upset, um. But as I, like, today it's, you know, like, people, youth members have asked me, you know, like, what does, like, the fear of God mean, you know? Mm, Well, no, I don't have a full answer, but, um, you know, I used to think that there was, it was supposed to be, like, this trembling almost of, like, you know, very, like, don't do the, you know, almost kind of abusive, like, if you want to really say that, like, this, it's, I used to think of it as a child of, like, the fear of God and, and God's anger should be something that, you know, silos you. And today I'm thinking more of it in a way of like um, the fear of God being being another channel, another remembrance of, of God's power, of God's mm-hmm. ability to create, mm-hmm. you know, of God's desire for goodness, um, but also of God's um, reality, the reality that God is, has these we call God's feelings feelings but (laughs) has these kinds of um expressions that we use anger you know sadness all these type of things that we use to communicate with ourselves and with one another that God is also you know we sing in the scripture in Isaiah is also expressing with us and who wants to be angry right (laughs) takes a lot of energy yes
3: Yes, yeah exactly (laughs)
0: we usually talk about God in Lakota culture. One of our metaphors for God is grandfather. And so, and I've also heard people use grandmother, which I think kind of changes the parental, like it kind of changes how you think about it. You know what I mean? Like you could make your grandparents angry, but more than likely you probably won't. And they usually always have like your best interests at heart or, you know, whatever. And we kind of think of, that's how we, I like using that word. Um, It kind of changes the way I think about it.
3: That that reminds me. As a child, like my my parents were angry at me. I always spoke to my grandmother. Mm-hmm. She was the one who was shielding me from my parents. Yeah. Oh yeah, from oh, the yeah. heat sinking chancla that you were about to. Be. I know the chancla, but then she, you know, one time my grandmother turned on me because I was in the wrong, like absolutely in the wrong. So she wouldn't protect me. So that mighty chancla man is is real. Mighty.
0: so in in the passage it says you know no one has heard no ear has perceived no eyes have seen what do you think are some of the things that we as christians or episcopalians or americans or whoever what are some things that we need to see or hear or perceive Uh, mm
2: -hmm. so many things right I think that you know, as um, as the body of Christ, you know, and that's all of us, right—the the believers in Christ, the those in denominations, non denominations, never been to a church but believes in Jesus and has been baptized. You know, the whole body, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think that we need to hear and um, perceive that our um, the things that that pull us together denominationally or, you know, socially, because we're like, oh, you know, uh, men and men and women and women shouldn't be married or all these type of things that are that also then start spilling over into politics, um, continue to move God's body, the body of Christ in a way that is is. Um, damaging and, and oppressive for a lot of people and people lose their lives, um, because of things, you know, people saying, you know, I don't believe that your way of life is a a way that is, that God intends for you. So the, and this is what I, what I perceive and this is what I hear. So the result of that is, you know, your death or torture or whatever, um, fill in the blank. And, um, You know, back to the the verse from ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any gods besides you who works uh, for those who wait for him. And the beauty of the other side of like the resiliency of the Christian community and the ways I'm just popped into my head, the uh, Japanese martyrs from ages past, don't quote me on any dates or anything like that, horrible with them, but I know I preached on them. They're (laughs) in there. Um, You know, when they were, um, you know... In prison, they were in like darkness and had no access to any of the the teachings or any of the things that they had um and yet they maintained that community they were able to maintain it it's a big feat right and i don't think that the body of christ um on our own will ever be able to to reach that because our beliefs have spilled into politics um but i do I think it's so important for us to remember um that the, that the ear that we're using to hear and um, our eyes that we're using to see, or we're looking at the reflection of God and other people. Um, mm-hmm. And what could we do? What could we do to bring ourselves into a space of um, furthering the gifts of, of God's ministry for us? You know, all the virtues and all that jazz that bring us together.
1: Mm. Yeah, I was thinking of something similar, um, thinking about white supremacy in the Episcopal Church particularly. And, and I think that is something that I know that we've, um, during the pandemic, it has, it has stopped us and we are addressing it. And I hope that um, the Episcopal Church can continue with that and not only addressing it and, and listening, but also in action mm-hmm. and in uh, policy changes in our own church. Um, th- those are the things that I'm hopeful that our church, particularly the Episcopal Church, can can commit to, because especially during this time of waiting, right? Because I th- I know a lot of us. I mean, it's so beautiful here to see all of our different colors and our cultures. That's 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 not what we usually see in the Episcopal Church. <laughs> um, and we I don't know about y'all, but I have been waiting, you know, for the day to have like that, you know, Chicago slate of you know four people of color i mean just incredible as you know potential bishops they can't lose you know what i mean like whomever wins <laughs> is going to be amazing so so for me at least i just keep waiting for that you know i just keep waiting for that to to be a constant not just a one you know time thing but a constant thing in our church yes yeah.
3: and you know, and again, if I were, like I said, if I were to preach, I would use this passage of Isaiah and specifically that verse and just try to, I don't know how to say it, but you know, if I were preaching, I will preach on, on the virtue or the spiritual practice of waiting and how that looks like and how unlike it is to our concept of waiting that we're just sitting down and we do nothing, right? Mm-hmm. That I don't think that's what... What the Bible is saying here, even in, in if you go back to the Hebrew, it's actually not what that word wait means, but it means, you know, to be patient, confident, expect, an and expectant faith, one that is confident in the promises of God, going back again to the promises of God. That's what waiting is. And that looks very different, I think, to, again, you know, what we consider waiting, especially for us. We know that God's justice will prevail. We know that, and we know that we serve a God of justice. And and you know, sometimes uh, I remember back in seminary, our, our theology professor used to tell us that one of the temptations of the Episcopal Church will be uh, us becoming polygynous. <laughs> I think uh, there's some there's some truth in that, and I think that's where the concept of waiting comes for me in, in that. It takes off a lot of pressure, at least for me, to, to say that it is all up to me to bring the kingdom of God, kind of thing, you know, like, and that is not a pressure that's good, at least for me, I don't think that I should have that pressure, but I can wait and knowing with full confidence that God's promises will come down doesn't mean that I just can't get to sit back here and do nothing, you know, but it it does mean that when I do something, when I do some action, I do it with the knowledge that God's, that we're serving a God of justice and that God's promises will come through. And therefore it's not just entirely up to me to bring uh, this justice down, but I'm there as an instrument of God's, justice to do that. And so I depend on God's grace in order to do that kind of work and not just on my own strength. But I think that sort of waiting is the only sort of... It's the only way I I believe that we can go out with confidence and do action. Because otherwise, we just have too much pressure on ourselves to to bring the change that, you know, that are necessary in the world. So I I hope that makes sense. It's a lot of words and I feel like I'm brain dumping you all with all my thoughts.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. You, you, it, it definitely makes a lot of sense. And um, as you were speaking, I even saw a common thread between what you just said and what Sandra said about, you mentioned justice and Sandra was talking a lot about, um you know, the reality of our church, the church and the yes. history of it and where we are today And it just and then Shaniqua talked about um, you know like us being together and all that and and I'm seeing I'm like the talking mom I'm like how is God's justice working in our lives for Mm -hmm. especially at this moment
1: Mm -hmm. thinking
2: about our different ancestors and Mm -hmm. how um, God has been pushing through space and time always changing and yet somehow also staying constant. The love is always constant, but the world shifts and changes Mm -hmm. and who, um, you know, we recognize as um, our neighbor, as, you know, our friend, you know, Jesus calls us friends um, or friends and neighbors who are strangers right now. How do we um, extend that justice and that um, even while we're still fighting for it, right? even thinking about the four of us, like the four of us have our different spaces and places. And yeah, we're also connected in many ways. Um, and there are many ancestors I'm sure on all of our sides that are very proud of us and walking with us in that. And so I'm wondering like, how is God's justice working in our lives up to this point? And what might that look like for what Sandra was saying for, as it continues to transform um, God's justice moves through our systems, moves through the world,
0: Um, I really like that. Made a lot of sense. Sometimes I think like as a church uh, or even just as a Christian faith in a lot of, at least in a lot of privileged spaces, we often like, you know, you have a religion who is kind of like of the poor and the oppressed. And then that got transferred into becoming like a space for the rich and powerful. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've thought about is kind of like, over this past year i think the covid and um racism that's just been like put in your face uh like it hasn't been for quite a while um i think or at least viewable by others for quite a while um i think that sort of makes us really think back to kind of what's going on and i think for a lot of people who maybe couldn't have related like the time that they could relate to um needing something or wanting or all of those things, that was like Lent was the only time, which I usually tell people, especially white congregations, I'm like, that's why you give stuff up for Lent. But when I was like talking to Native people, I'm like, we gave up our children, our language, our culture, our blah, 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 <laughs> our land. Blah, blah. We've done giving up Please, enough. Up we don't have to care. give up anything. <laughs> and so, I think, amen. I think this year sort of has brought us into the space where a lot of people, I think, can relate to wanting, to needing, to to missing, to that waiting period, and yep. I think that's sort of one thing that I think sort of, not that, it you know, not that it's great that all these things are happening, but I think it's helping us to shift and maybe think more broadly, as a society, about um, some of the things that can affect us. Because I think for so long we've thought we were invincible, at least the mm-hmm. folks of privilege have thought that they were invincible. Oh yeah the passage for that day from first Corinthians just says, um, yeah. Um, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait Mm -hmm. for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, he will strengthen you to the end so that you Mm -hmm. may be blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by him. You were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That thing about like, he will strengthen you. I think that's, um, was in my mind about like all these things that we're sort of worried about. Um, It will strengthen
3: you to the end. Yeah.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we can, we can be strengthened as we wait.
1: Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, thank you so much for um, being willing to take time out of your busy schedule, or maybe I know for a lot of priests, Friday is their Sabbath. So I really appreciate you taking time uh, to be with me today. I wanna thank our guests, uh, Sandra and Kevin Antonio and Daniel, um, and uh, so glad you could be here.
1: Thank you for having
0: us. Yeah, thank you, Shaniqua. Thank you all. And thank you for sharing your prophetic voice. Well, that's all the time we have today. If you want to learn more about Beloved Community, visit EpiscopalChurch.org forward slash Beloved hyphen community. Thanks to our guests, Sandra, Kevin Antonio, and Daniel. And thanks to our production team, especially Chris and Allie. If you were moved by what you heard today, I'd love it if you would rate, review, and of course, share our podcast Until next time, let your light shine.
1: if you're from a neighboring diocese, check in with your diocesan revival champion to find out about group travel options. You can find more information along with registration at iam.ec lovealways.